You're listening to Movie Homework, brought to you by the Binge Media Podcast Network. Subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And I'm here today with my co-host Chad. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. How how are you? It's been a little Very minute. Good. It has been. It has been uh, yeah, a little scheduling uh, snafu, but you know what? We'll uh, we'll persevere and we'll keep rolling forward. Um, last time we were t- chatting about uh, David Lynch, Lost Highway. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I actually threw it on again since we recorded. Uh, oh, nice. I think it's become a background movie for me. Uh, I don't know why. It's <laughs> There's something about the vibe, the music. Um, I don't know. I'm in a I'm in a lost highway mode right now. But uh, but we cool. are tonight talking about a very different movie, uh, 1949's The Third Man, directed by Carol Reed, written by Graham Greene, and starring Joseph Cotton, Alita Valley, and Orson Welles. Um, this movie looms large in my memory uh, for a lot of different reasons. But Chad, when did you see this? first time so i I tried to think about that like obviously knowing this conversation was going to come up and i'm pretty sure i saw this right around the same time i saw citizen kane for the first time Mm -hmm. i did like a orson welles binge or something uh it had been forever since i had seen this though so this was a nice uh a nice bring back for movie homework which is why we do this shit but yeah i think i I, I, probably 10 15 years ago um watched it for the first time back to back so yeah but I know this is, yeah, you said this was in your top ten back in the day, like possibly. It might still be. Who knows? But it, Yeah, it was. Um, and watching this movie, again, brought back a lot of memories. I think, like you, you know, 15, God, it might even be 20 years ago now, was the first time that I saw this. And it, it paired it with Citizen Kane, you know. Um, mm. Definitely saw Kane first and then found this one and... You know, I was originally kind of underwhelmed by Citizen Kane because I didn't know enough to know what, like, why that movie matters. Um, mm-hmm. It's not the most entertaining movie of all time, but it, again, I've said it before. Like, I'll watch that like once a year. I, I love Kane. It's just you know the, the fact that he figured out how to make people look larger than life was to literally just cut a hole in the floor and drop the camera into it. All kinds <laughs> of innovative stuff. Yep. You know, very cool. Yeah. Um, and I remember hearing about the third man and, you know, knowing that the third man had a Criterion DVD. So I remember back in the days of collecting DVDs, this was this was one that I had sought after. Um, this was a movie on the IMDb Top 250 of all time. It was on the BFI Top 100 lists of all time. Uh, there's a famous story where Martin Scorsese, when he was a student, actually wrote a thesis on this film. And the director gave him like a B, I'm sorry, the, the teacher gave him a B minus and said, you know, pay attention to better films. This is just some like B level thriller. It's kind of funny. Um, but yeah, uh, this was a top 10 film for me for a long, long time. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that this was the movie that broke my stigma of old black and white films. Um, ah, okay. After I saw this and I, I saw Kane and I probably saw Casablanca before this. No, I think I saw Casablanca after this. But this was the first movie that I watched that was black and white, 
you know, it, it looked old. It felt old. Camera moves were were a little bit older for, for the most part. Um, but it also did things that I saw in modern movies that made it more entertaining. Um, it uses Dutch angles all over the place. And it, I would say in a, not in an ironic way. Um, it, it's actually used for, like, maybe its intended purpose. Um, a couple camera tricks in this. The whole sequence in the sewers at the end. Uh, and, and, and the dialogue, too. The fact that the movie follows a drunk, uh, like, pulp novel writer who is, is, like, super sarcastic and, you know, not really witty, but has some one-liners here and there. Um, this just felt different than what I thought old movies were. And it kind of, it stuck with me for a long time. But, um, but it's been a long time since I've watched it. And my big... I don't know, question going into it was whether or not this actually was going to hold up, whether or not this still had uh, the juice, you know, if this was still the quill, we'll say. Um, <laughs> so lots to, lot to discuss there, but um, I think it kind of starts with Orson Welles. Uh, you know, you said it first, but Kane, you know, if you're a serious film fan, you got to watch Citizen Kane and form an opinion on it. And, you know, you, you got to know where you stand on that. Um and Orson Welles was somebody who I knew through, like, just commercials, maybe, or bit parts on talk shows. Um, I knew he looked familiar, but he didn't necessarily fall in with, like, Gary Cooper or, um, like, the Robert Mitchums. Like, those guys seemed like established Hollywood actors who were in a lot of different things. They had major starring roles, and, you know, they, they appeared in a bunch of westerns and... and you know, the Gregory Pecks of the world. Like, they had a certain movie star charm to them. Orson Welles always felt like this sort of underground cult actor that he, he was like a renegade who tried to pretty much do his own thing. Seems like his personality pissed a lot of people off. And he just, I don't know, he kind of went through his career in Hollywood in a strange way and it ended up, it ended really weird, too. Um but what, do you have an opinion on Wells at all, one way or the other? I've not seen a ton of his stuff, but mm. same. I mean, this is like a direct. I mean, Joseph Cotton also, right? I mean, it's like it's right. so eerie, like similar to Citizen Kane with that yes. too. Uh, yeah, I, I haven't honestly seen enough Orson Welles uh, movies to form much of an opinion. I've just, you know, like you've heard, I've heard countless stories of how this guy is. I mean, by this time that Third Man came out, he was pretty much uh, outcasted from Hollywood, it seemed like, for a bit, because he was just right. seemed like impossible to work with. And I mean, all the trivia you can pull up from this movie of him, like not even wanting to be on set half the time or late and like all this stuff. And yeah. just you've heard countless stories of this guy. But yeah, he's sound, larger than life uh, personality, it seems. But yeah. yeah and to to piggyback on that, we, we covered uh, both... Citizen Kane and Mank for like a one-off movie homework back in 2019 or 2020, right? During the pandemic when, when Mank was, came out, yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah. So if you want to go back and find that, we you can hear us talk about those two uh, movies back to back. But yeah, yeah that's yeah. kind of where I sit with Orson. I, 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 I haven't seen enough to form much of an opinion. Just all the shit I've heard about him. It's just he, he seems like a pretty, pretty interesting fellow. <laughs> yeah. This movie just occupies like a like an interesting, I don't want to say weird place, but sort of unique place in my mind. Um, mm. It's a movie that I feel enough people know about. A lot of people like few people love, but all of the directors that I love, love this movie. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mentioned Scorsese before. I find it very hard to believe that Tarantino does not regard this movie highly. I mean, it, the protagonist of this movie is exactly the kind of guy that I feel like Tarantino would either relate to or want in one of his movies. You know, like pulp yep. novelist who writes shitty westerns. I mean, that's <laughs> tell me there aren't shades of yep. Rick Dalton in that. You know. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. It, I've I've actually heard uh, Cameron Crowe talk about this film. Um, oh my God, uh, why am I losing his name? Uh, uh, Link Ladder, Link Ladder. I think this is one of his favorite films. So uh, you know, a lot of people that we've talked about on previous movie homework episodes and people that we're into love this movie. Um, you know, the director Carol Reed. He's not the most well-known guy in, in terms of modern filmmakers, but um, I actually have a clip of another guy who we covered in Movie Homework, Peter Bogdanovich, talking a little bit about Carol Reed and his uh, his career. So let me give you a taste of that. I once um, said to Orson Welles, my God, that... I'm sorry, that's not the clip. <laughs> the clip is uh, Peter Bogdanovich talking about Orson Welles. Uh, yeah, that's the other clip that I had. Shit. Fuck that. We won't talk about that then. But Carol Reed, in any case... <laughs> He's another director that has like six or seven movies in the Criterion Collection. I've never watched any of the others. And I'm assuming you, you haven't seen any of them, like The Fallen Idol or Odd Man Out, any of those? I have not, nope. Yeah, so so I don't know. It, like, the director is not terribly well known. The movie was shot in Vienna, which I think is a, is a massive uh, boost to the quality of this film. You can tell that most of it is not shot on sound stages, and it really benefits from that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things that Carol Reed does in this movie too, is he does the Michael Mann thing where he just sprayed all the streets with water to make everything look yes. a lot brighter. Um, <laughs> yep. looks fantastic, you know, yeah, uh, absolutely. really, really good stuff. And, and like I said before, the Dutch angles, like, I don't know. I, I think a Dutch angles, I think a Batman and Robin, you know, it's not like, <laughs> it's not quality, but here there's something off kilter about the story and about Martin's and, and everything that they, I think they actually work really well as a stylistic choice here. Um, but, um, you know what else I didn't do? Wow, I'm really off my rocker tonight. Uh, I did not play any of the trailer. Let's play a little bit of the trailer before we go any further. Go home, Martins. You don't know what you're mixing in. As soon as I get to the bottom of this, I'll get the next lane. Impossible to not talk about the music after hearing that. Chad, what do you think of the music in this movie? Because I know it's kind of contentious amongst a lot of people, but where do you stand? Uh, unpopular opinion. You're probably going to reach to your microphone and punch me. I do not like it at all. Boo. <laughs> Fucking boo. Um, I don't know, man. It just, it, it, I feel like it just doesn't fit in the Zephyr. This, uh, there's certain points. That, I don't know. There's something about it that just irks me. Uh, okay. Okay. I, I don't know. I, it's just not, it's not for me. So I'll jump to the superlative before we even get there. I, the the PMC, which we'll get there eventually. I, I don't have a best music because that, Jesus. that fucking theme plays over and over and over. It's just, it's just that thing. Um, <sighs> Yeah, it doesn't work for me, Jack. I'm sorry. It, it, just the, the score doesn't. It just doesn't. I know it, it might, but 
Mm. Well, uh, so this is one of my favorite film scores of all time. <laughs> uh, Anton Karras. I figured, was, I figured. Yeah, it was this musician that Carol Reed like, found in a bar somewhere, I think in Vienna, and basically said, uh, hey, you want to come and score a movie? And he did. Um, I remember trying to learn this on guitar back in the day, but the, just the, the note, you can't. Like, the notes aren't there. Um, <laughs> they're there, but they're arranged differently, so just I can never wrap my head around it. I haven't looked in 20 years, though, so maybe maybe knowing what I know now, I could fiddle around with it a little bit. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know that's I think... that's one of the, the problems with the movie that a lot of people bring up, and uh, yeah, it's interesting to see that uh, you, are, well... you are one of the detractors. <laughs> well, I think it... I don't know. It's like it's such an earworm. It just gets stuck in your head, and I'm like, God damn, 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 damn. I was like, it's yeah. just awesome. throughout the last few weeks after rewatching this a couple of times. It's just like I can't get that shit out of my head. But maybe that means it's good. I don't know. But it, I don't know. It just, it, I, I don't know if it fits with the movie that it's in for me at least. Okay. But clearly, it, it does for you. So hey, yeah, I'm weird. Yeah, I, it, it just it just feels like the otherworldly in a way and I think it had everything to do with the fact that I only knew old movies to be like John Wayne westerns you know so this oh, okay. was yeah, this yeah. was like so far out of left field and so different and unique that you know it could be a bit of nostalgia there but fuck it I'll defend it mm. I, I love this score I don't give a shit um, performances so I really like Joseph Cotton um I actually wish that I knew more of his movies. I know he's in Shadow of a Doubt, the uh, like evil uncle movie from Hitchcock, but I've never seen that. Um, mm-hmm. I always liked him in Kane. I really like him in this. I think he's he's got like a very effortless um, sort of I don't want to say ugly performance, but he feels like a loser. He feels like a oh yeah no he like, is <laughs> like, like like he's not a glamorous movie star. And by the end of the story, he's I don't know the the whole morality play that they make with his character. I, I think actually like works to this movie's benefit and longevity in a lot of ways. But um, yep. I really like him. What do you what do you think of Cotton? Yeah, no, I think he's fantastic. He's great in this movie. I think, like you said, he, his character though. I mean, Holly Martin's he's just this fucking kind of bumbling loser, really. Like he he is, and yeah. it's, he's kind of pathetic. It's a uh, yeah, he's just a drunk and like goes to we're gonna get into this a lot but he he's i don't know it seems like for him being best friends with harry he comes in here and instantly falls in love with this girl like within like first second time meeting him he's he's really creepy to the to uh, anna yeah and he's just i don't know so it's like uh, all right but no cotton's performance fantastic he's great in this movie absolutely like he's fantastic but his character's just just kind of a, a bum. I, I, I don't know. That's really all I can say about it. He's just, just a bumbling. Uh, he's just, he's just trying to. He's almost really. It's, it's like he's arrogant to a point. For some reason, like yeah. uh, I'm gonna go to Vienna. This place, I'm, I'm just a fish out of water. But I'm gonna investigate this murder and figure it out. And he doesn't really know this world around him at all. And he's just, he's lost and, and very obsessed with uh, Anna. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's such a it's such an interesting performance because I think that he does a great job, and the movie, the story is really trying to make you understand that he's not a he might be like known, but not for being a great writer, just just for like being a great I don't know proliferator of trash literature. You know that that kind of mm-hmm. is the feel that you get from him, but 
it's also the thing that watching the movie this time actually made me really appreciate the story more than maybe I ever have because he is so kind of pathetic and such a loser, but he is making the right choice at the end of the story, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's a really interesting and dynamic way to play this. Um, yep. You know, comparing it to, like, Casablanca. Um Different movies, and people will put them in the same bucket because of the black and white thing and all that stuff, but they're very different stories. But the thing that Humphrey Bogart has that Joseph Cotton doesn't is that Bogart is as cool as they come, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. He is the owner of his bar. He is in complete control of his surroundings for most of that story. He's got the cool one-liners. You know, nobody's going to tell him what to do, basically. Um I think it's it's really interesting, and, and I might even argue in a hundred years. I think that the third man may actually be talked about in higher regard than movies like Casablanca, particularly for that reason, because I think that the the character at the center of it is maybe a little more relatable to modern audiences now, but I think maybe even audiences in the future. You know, um, mm-hmm. maybe we'll be around to see it. Probably not, though. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Other performances, though, Alita Valley. So I've only ever seen her in this and Suspiria. She has a role. Mm. Um, Miss Tanner. I don't know her from anything else, but what? Where do you where do you stand with her performance in this? Uh, I think she's fine. Um, she's a little cold, right? I mean, that, that's kind of her character, and maybe yep. that's. I mean, maybe that. Yeah, I think. <sighs> Yeah, I mean, if if I'm gonna pull anything of the three of of the main leads in this movie, if you want to call Orson Welles a lead, I guess, even though he's in it for like seven minutes, if that, uh, she's like the weaker of them, uh, I think. But I think she's fine. Yeah, that's where. uh, where, where Do do you not like her? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, I've never really liked her in this movie. um, And you saying that she's fine is exactly the best thing I can say about the performance. Like. Yeah, she's not I, I, elevating anything. Yeah, she's she's there. I just would have liked to have seen somebody that's a little more charismatic. Um, mm, you know, we yeah. might we might talk about that a little later. We'll we'll save that for a bit. But but yeah. Um, and then I know we we talked about Wells earlier, but yeah. So he's got. I think it's it's five minutes of screen time in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just a powerhouse performance. I mean, it's it's oh fuck yeah yeah. I, you know, you can argue there are, there are three Wells performances that are like God tier. And, you know, I, I think you just kind of pick your poison on which one you think is the best. It's either Kane, um, the, t- the detective that he plays in Touch of Evil, or Harry Lime. Um, for me, I have always been a Harry Lime guy. Um, I just think the, the potency of the performance and what he does with it in a short amount of time, uh, it just like does wonders. It's a, it's a legendary legendary performance because you can't there's almost nothing there to to to, like criticize you know there's not enough Mm -hmm. to criticize um yeah but i i I assume you were probably also uh also into him in this movie yeah yeah just an evil motherfucker i love it yeah Yeah. so i mean that that the reveal of course is so fucking great just that smirk and then yeah the, the the really one scene of dialogue he gets with uh holly in the like the Ferris wheel type, uh, whatever the fuck that is that they go up in. 
Yeah, you know? I mean, that's just fucking, yeah, just magnet, magnetic, just fucking staring at them. And hit, yeah, it's awesome. He's fantastic in this. While we are talking about that Ferris wheel scene, I did pull a little bit from it. Um, not the cuckoo clock part. That's the part everybody loves. But um, I actually think there's a better set of uh, dialogue here that reveals kind of what a fucking monster Harry Lime is. But a little piece for you. Victims? Don't be melodramatic. Look down there. Would you really feel any pity if one of those dots stopped moving forever? If I offered you 20,000 pounds for every dot that stopped, would you really, old man, tell me to keep my money? Or would you calculate how many dots you could afford to spend? Free of income tax, old man. Free of income tax? The only way you can save money now, do you? A lot of good your money will do you in jail. That jail's in another zone. There's no proof against me. Besides you. Just, Just very cold calculating sort of yeah you know i don't know these people they don't mean anything to me it's just uh how many more dollars and cents i can get um, dude yeah you, you just stole my my ammon for superlatives that was it <laughs> that just i think i think that i mean obviously you know great minds but i think yep. that 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 scene that particular line just sums up how fucking evil this dude is he doesn't even go fuck he's like look at those dots don't care like it's fucking awesome I, yeah he's so good <laughs> it reminds me of in goodfellas when uh, henry hill's like you know any of the guys who didn't do this shit they were suckers they had no balls you know it's, like, it's the same <laughs> yep. mentality <laughs> absolutely um, so remember that clip i tried to play earlier and it was the wrong fucking clip well now it's the right fucking clip so let's try this <laughs> peter bogdanovich one again he's just talking about wells and uh, the performance and uh, you know maybe a little bit of what the both of us stated previously, but I, I think it's interesting coming from Bogdanovich. Um, one thing we should mention about him too, and I know we talked about it on the last picture show episode way back, but Bogdanovich started as a film critic and then moved into film, uh, film directing. Um, a large portion of his career was spent being Orson Welles kind of unofficial biographer and then friend. So he's got a really interesting perspective on pretty much anything Orson Welles. Um, no matter what you think of Bogdanovich as a filmmaker, hearing him talk specifically about Wells and what a bastard he could be and what a great friend he could be, um, there's a lot of good stuff out there. So if you're interested in Wells or Bogdanovich or you know hearing more about The Third Man, um, I believe the this is off of the Criterion DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll give this a whirl. I once um, said to Orson Welles, my God, that role of Harry Lyme, is, you're so great in that picture. And he said, well, he said, that's the part. It's the greatest star part ever written. Well, you know what a star part is. He says, that's where they talk about you for an hour, and then you appear. He said, I did it on the stage, one called Mr. Wu. Everybody, for the first 45 minutes of the play, says, you know, but what will happen when Mr. Wu gets here? And, yes, but what will Mr. Wu say about this? And... Wait till we find out what Mr. Wu thinks and all that. And he says, and everybody boils around the stage, as Orson said, for about almost an hour, talking about Mr. Wu. And then just at the end of the first act, way in the distance on the stage, crossing a, a bridge, comes the small figure of Mr. Wu. And the, everybody goes, ah, Mr. Wu. And the curtain comes down and the audience comes out and says, isn't that actor playing Mr. Wu great? Kind of what we were just saying. Like, you only give the audience so much to look at, uh, they, they can't criticize it, right? So, 
That's right. Kind of smart. <laughs> kind of smart. Um, other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit was the script. So I think we, we alluded to this a little bit, but the script is pretty subversive, and I think it has a lot of a sort of sing-song nature to it at times. Um, you know, you'll have a scene where Holly is investigating something and he's interacting with folks in Vienna, a lot of which who were actually like Viennese citizens, um, which, which adds some credibility, I think, to the film. But um, then there are a lot of interactions he has with the sort of local sheriff, you could call him, and the uh, his like underling, the soldier enforcer character. Um, the names, it's Callaway and I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, Is it Sergeant, other, Sergeant Payne, right? I think so, yeah. He was M like, in all the, the James Bond movies. So. The dude that punches him in the face at the beginning, right? The Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sergeant Payne, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so if you know if you know him from the Bond movies, you know who I'm talking about there. Um, I, I really like the dialogue. How did you feel about the script overall? I have no issues with it, yeah. I, I think that it works and flows pretty well. Yeah, I, I, that's no qualm of mine for this movie at all. Uh, I've got another just... clip pulled from the script. Uh, this in particular is a scene of Martin's talking to Calloway and... Again, I, I, I just think that the first time I had seen this movie, I had never heard characters interact in this way and have that sort of quippiness that, that I started really listening for in, in, say, Tarantino movies. You know, like the characters that talked not like they were on a stage pronouncing, uh, you know, to, to another person with a static camera shot. This actually felt like two people who were interacting who had different viewpoints and... You know, they, they didn't necessarily agree on everything. And they were kind of having a war of the words, to, to put it one way. But uh, let's give this a shot. I told you to go away, Martins. This isn't Santa Fe. I'm not a sheriff and you aren't a cowboy. You've been blundering around with the worst bunch of racketeers in Vienna, your precious Harry's friends, and now you're wanted for murder. Put down drunk and disorderly, too. I have. What's the matter with your hand? Parrot bit me. Oh, stop behaving like a fool, Martins. I'm only a little fool. I'm an amateur at it. You're a professional. Been shaking your cap and bells all over town. Payne, get me the Harry Lime file and get Mr. Martins a large whiskey. I don't need your drinks, Calloway. You will. I don't want another murder in this case, and you were born to be murdered, so you're going to hear the facts. You haven't told me a single one yet. I don't know. There's something about that. You were born to be murdered. Just It's, it's <laughs> funny and it's like quippy, but it, it I don't know. It flows. It, it feels right in the scene. But, mm-hmm. um, so we talked a lot about the things that we like in the movie and eh, a couple things that maybe didn't work so much. We said the music, Alita Valley's kind of a low point for me. Were there other things in this movie that kind of irritated you or maybe didn't work as well this time given the fact that, you know, it's been like 15 years since you last watched it? <sighs> No, I don't think so, man. I, yeah, the the only issue I really have with this movie is is uh, the score. I just not a big not a big fan of it. And mm. yeah, I mean, it, I, I I guess I kind of do. Like I said before, I have a problem with Holly's uh, how much he how fast he falls for 
This, this guy, I mean, it, it plays yeah. to his character. He's a loser, but it, I don't know. It did that. That just like ate away at me. And even the second rewatch, I got in, it's like, man, I just started taking notes. Like, dude, this guy. Like, what the fuck? Like, this shit he's saying to her all the time. It's like, I wouldn't stand a chance, would I? It's like you just met this girl like a few days ago. Like, why are you being such a creep right now? I don't understand. And she keeps yeah. calling him Harry. She has no interest in him clearly. And then she's like. You ought to find yourself a girl. And then what? what's the line? He's like, I'm just a hack writer who drinks too much and falls in love with girls. And then he's like, you? And she's like, me? Or <laughs> something. It's like, right. I don't know. He's he's just such a he's just such a down-on-his-luck dude. Maybe maybe he's just not been scoring with the girls back home in, in America. I don't know. Why, what's going on? Well, it's, <laughs> it's also especially creepy when you think about the fact that, like, he is pretty much engaging with her after finding out that his friend died and, like, he knows exactly he, he thinks he's dead for the whole movie so it's like dude i mean give it some space man you know <laughs> exactly like you just saw her at the funeral of your supposed like best friend you guys you've got all this stuff and you're swooping in on this girl real fast just seems like you're not a very good friend old holly yeah. what's going on here i don't know but yeah so that that part of it i'm just like all right but no i mean other than that yeah i've i've really no issues with anything of this so yeah I'm, um yeah. one one question I had about the story, and I I didn't see evidence of this one way or the other, but I guess it's kind of an opinion thing. So the story starts, Holly Martins arrives in Vienna, gets to Harry Lyme's apartment, finds out that he's dead. And that's what kind of, you know, springs everything into action. Was part of Harry's plan to have Holly show up at his funeral so that, like... He could get the word out about his death everywhere, or was this just something didn't go to plan? Harry had to improvise, and Holly just happened to be there. I I, I don't know one way or the other. Did you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, like you specifically called for him, right? So he's like, I was waiting for him to show up, and that's yeah. It doesn't make a lot of what you said. Yeah, to take the the information back, but at the same time, it's like. I guess he didn't expect Holly to hang around in the city as long as he did. So yeah, he maybe. that's where the, kind of the reveal comes in. So he's like, oh, shit, he's still here. Because, yeah, as you see, he's like kind of walking to her apartment there, and that's when he backs yeah. into that alley. So yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe that's where his, his mindset was. But, yeah, that doesn't necessarily add up so much. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's weird. <laughs> I, it, I never thought of it before when watching this movie, but this time, because I got a couple rewatches in, too, and I was just like, huh, I wonder... Like, what the actual thought process or, or plan, like, was supposed to be, you know? Was Holly always supposed to be a part of this equation? Or, or like, was him sticking around, like you said, the real problem? Or, I don't know. I don't know. Just kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, you'd think if they were such good friends that he would know that Holly's going to be like, oh, I want to investigate this because this doesn't seem right. I don't right. know. Yeah, it, yeah, that doesn't necessarily add up too much. But Yeah, yeah. so, I don't know. A little strange. All right, well, um, only other thing I wanted to mention was a little piece of trivia, and I don't know if you've got anything else, but uh, I, I read this and I was like, ah, oh, that's that's kind of cool. But apparently Jack White, his third man records, is named after this movie, which is his favorite movie. Oh, um, mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. I'm a Jack White guy, you know? Like, Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like his shit. Um, any other bits of trivia or anything you wanted to uh, get off your chest before we start giving out awards here? I don't think so, man. Yeah, I think I think we can jump right in. All right, all right. So let's uh, let's start it off with the Kupka. That's that dude. All right. So this is the scene stealer or cameo. 
Uh, I mean, should we even argue about this? I mean, it's it's Wells, Terry Lyme. What what else could it be? Oh, right? Absolutely. And you already mentioned, too, like the cameos, 100% him. Five minutes is great time. But yep. that dude, we already mentioned Alita, Alita Valley. She's Miss Tanner from the OG Suspiria. That's... Uh, yep. Which is it's wild though. If you if you look at her from that movie, which she's very creepy and crazy looking in oh, Suspiria, yeah. and in this movie, she's like actually she's pretty pretty. You know, it's like, all right. She's yeah, she's a pretty lady. Yeah, <laughs> not in yep. Suspiria. She's a real mean hag in that movie. Yeah, so. yeah, hag is the right word. So. <laughs> Um, all right, so that being said, we will go with the Valley. Wow, fucking what the fuck? And this is the Punchable Face Award. Uh, Chad, do you have anybody for this? Oh my god, I absolutely do. It's fucking the Porter's Child, the little annoying little brat. <laughs> Just fucking screaming at, 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 at old, old Holly the whole time, thinking he's the murderer and, you know, pulling on his, his jacket. It's like, all right, yep. I'm going to punch this kid. I want to punch this little brat right now because he's so annoying. <laughs> Dude, I want to take a photo of my notebook and send it to you right now, but I have written down Herbert Halbick, a.k.a. Hansel the Kid. Fuck this kid. Okay, I, I didn't even do the – yeah, I didn't write – I didn't even look up his name or anything. What? It was like the annoying little boy. Oh, my God. Oh, and, and I looked up his IMDb, too. This is the only thing he was ever in, probably with good reason. Um, yeah. That's just, awesome. Just slap the fucking – voice out of that kid what was seriously no just the most annoying screeching papa over and over for like two minutes (laughs) yeah for too long too long is what it is um all right so we've got the uh, the ammon which is the best quote tell me something about something i was reading about all right so i had a couple um it's tough okay so i had i had two of them the first one I really liked from Alita Valley's character. She says, a person doesn't change just because you find out more. I think that's mm-hmm. a really great line for this movie. Um, yeah. It, it's, it, I don't know, plays into the theme, I think, really well. It's just, just a nice little piece of writing. Um, and then another one of those kind of sing-songy conversations with Calloway. Calloway says, death's at the bottom of everything, Martins. Leave death to the professionals. And Martin says, mind if I use that line in my next Western? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's kind of funny... <laughs> sad sack shit to say you know but right. um well, yeah. i know I, I kind of stole yours earlier from the uh the, the ferris wheel speech but was there anything else that popped out to you i mean just the, the when holly gets there and it's just like the listen callahan callaway i'm english not irish like just the back and yes. forth of that the first like half hour of this movie is pretty fucking that's pretty funny like it's pretty good, <laughs> really good so stuff. yeah other than that yeah fantastic uh all right well the uh this is the chad c i know this is a hot take the most entertaining scene. So what do you have? So it's pretty, I mean, the tunnel scene, the chase is pretty, pretty go-to, right? That's whatever. Sure. I feel like you're the thing. I don't know. Yeah. But mine's going to go back to Mr. Holly Martin's being a fucking creeper. And it's him <laughs> at the, the very end scene of this movie. He like goes and waits at this fucking like cemetery, this long ass shot. He's sitting at his car and fucking Anna is just walking down this long ass stretch, doesn't even pay him a mind, and then he walks right by him and he smokes a cigarette. Sums so like, sums it up right there. I think that that for me yeah. is like that's what you get, Holly. I don't know what to tell you. I, I think it's a great final shot too. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. It's a great final shot, and Scorsese directly recreates it in The Departed, um, the mm. scene where they're at Costigan's funeral and Vera Farmiga walks directly at the camera past Matt Damon as he's trying to yep. get her attention. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Really good shit. So uh, good. So fucking yeah, that, good. That's fantastic. I love the uh, I love the tunnel scene. I mean, how do you not? I love the Ferris wheel scene. I mean, you know, it's 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 the Orson Welles showcase uh, on that one. But man, is that a good scene? Like the the dynamics of the dialogue and and you know, we talked a little bit about it. The, the famous cuckoo clock uh, quote that I didn't pull a clip from because honestly, it's overplayed. But you can find that everywhere. Um, yeah, those are those are all just really great scenes. If I if I gotta pick one, if I gotta pick one, I'm gonna choose the 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 tunnel scene. Uh, I think it's mm-hmm. I think it's tough not to. But um, yeah, absolutely. All right, all right. So here's the, uh, the TM. I mean, wow. Which is what does or doesn't hold up. Now I'm gonna say I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you two that hold up and one that does not. Okay. So yeah. for the two. I'm going to say the cinematography holds up big time. This movie, I think, still looks very dynamic. Um, there are moments where characters are talking on a soundstage, but I think the interesting camera movements and the Dutch angles add something to that. I think it really, you know, when that stuff is used correctly like it is in this movie, I think it makes it very dynamic and very interesting. Um, I really like that stuff. And then the other thing that I think this movie does really well is it's that whole thing about morality that I was talking about earlier with Holly Martins. Um, I think this movie will last a long time because the protagonist is really morally gray. He's not a good guy, but he does make the right moral decision in the end that ultimately like makes him out to be a horrible friend and human being. Um, I think it's I think it's fascinating. I think it's part of what makes the movie so special and interesting. Um, but yeah, th- so those those hold up. The one thing that doesn't hold up for me is I. <laughs> this is going to sound extremely negative. I'm not meaning it to be that bad, but I really think that the Alita Valley performance it, it just is is it's sort of like flat. It just doesn't she doesn't add anything. You know, she's contending with. Cotton and Wells in this movie, and both of them always have something interesting going on, or they're they're making an interesting movement, or they have a presence that she gets completely eclipsed by whenever they're in the scenes with her. Um, I just wish it wasn't that way. I wish there was somebody who met the energy of the other two actors and was able to to kind of do something with that. Um, but what do you have for the TM award? Like you just said, if I could take a picture of my notebook right now and send to you, it's cinematography with like 18 exclamation points. It's yeah. fucking amazing. It's so good, dude. For being 49, like 1949, this movie came out. It's it's wild. Like it's so good. Like like you said, the Michael Mann, like the, the the water on the streets just adds so much like to this black and white movie. It's just like this vividness. Yeah, it's fucking awesome, man. It's so, it holds up so well. It, it's fantastic. I have nothing else to really say except that. Yeah. So yeah, it's great. Absolutely fantastic. It's the best. It's the best. All right. Here's the, uh, the Pete MC. <laughs> best use of music. Um, I, okay. Well, we know how you feel, but, uh, <laughs> I think, I think the best musical cue in the movie is when Harry Lyme is revealed. Uh, when mm. he's standing in the doorway, the light shines on his face. The zither score swells. Camera swoops in, and you know, uh, Holly Martin's is just like Harry, Harry, what? You know, all that stuff. Um, the build up to it with the cat. You know, you just hear like 
a minute earlier, you know, oh, Harry was the only person the cat liked, and cat's walking up to this guy. Is that, oh my God, is that him? Like, I remember seeing that for the first time and it being like a really awesome movie moment. Um, and it's part of the reason why, you know, you look up the third man, what's one of the first stills you see? You see that scene most of the time, either that or the tunnel. So uh, it's a big deal. Big deal that scene is. Um, and uh, Chad C. just hates all good music in this movie, so we'll just move on from that one. You mean the one, the one song that's played over and over? Yeah, It's a score, okay? There's a variety of songs that are played. We're not going to get into this. All right, uh, here's the PJ Award. Dynamite drop-in, Monty. This is the casting swap for the movie, so uh, did you have anything for this? I did. Uh, not that I don't like Joseph Cotton's performance, but I would have loved to see Jimmy Stewart in this role. Would have been interesting. Pretty, I think he would have added some a little bit more, a little bit more layers to it. Maybe, maybe Alita Valley's Anna would have been like, "Oh, you're a little bit more charming than Joseph Cotton." Uh, did did Carter uh, or does, did Jimmy Stewart and Wells ever act in a movie together? I don't. They, um, ooh, I don't. I'm not know. sure. I don't know. Yeah, I get. So I think that would have been cool if they didn't, because if if they have, I haven't seen the movie. Um, but that would have been cool little little scene with them. That's why. But I mean, Joseph Cotton's great in this movie. I'm not trying to take anything away from him. But it's like, am I going to replace Orson Welles? Yeah, I can't do that. Uh, Alita Valley. I mean, yeah, I feel like that's going to be your casting swap. <laughs> but Gee, that's kind of what it was. <laughs> um, so yeah, Alita Valley, get her the fuck out of here. Um, you know, I, I okay. So I. I at this time in Hollywood and in movie making, I feel like there were not a lot of great actresses who were being actresses. I think it was a lot of Marilyn Monroe's and Jane Mansfield's, right? Like a lot of women who were on screen because they were beautiful and that was the main draw with them. There were a few that I think really kind of transcended that and actually were good actresses at the same time. And the first person I thought of with this was Grace Kelly. I think Grace Kelly... Oh. Before Rear Window, this could have been a really nice tee-up to that film. Now, granted, she has that sort of transatlantic accent, right? So, I don't know whether or not they would train her to sound a bit more, uh, uh, you know, foreign, the way that Alita Valley does in this movie. But I just would have liked to have seen her. I think she has more charisma. She has more of a presence to her. Um, and the movies that I've seen with her in it, admittedly mostly Hitchcock movies um you know she she is so clearly the perfect version of the Hitchcock blonde protagonist that I, I think like every other one that that Hitchcock tried to put in his movies is basically just trying to be Grace Kelly um I think she was she was that good um so yeah if it was me I would have gone the Grace Kelly route here but it wasn't Makes so sense. they didn't <laughs> well yeah all right, um, and the last one, which is the uh, the extra credit award. So if you were going to swap somebody in this movie out for a binge staffer, who would it be? Um, I do have a thought here, and okay. I actually <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna cheat a little bit. I want to swap two people out because I think that it would uh -huh. make a lot of sense here. Okay. I am actually going to swap out Harry Lime and Holly Martin's, um, and I want to see the binge remake of this movie with. Jim Law as Holly Martins and Alex Moreno <laughs> as Harry Lime. Harry Moreno. Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, like, 
I just think yeah, it, okay. it, I, I, th- I think it, I think it could be perfect. Uh, the only thing that I would add is that I want Jim Law to be wearing like a fedora, like a gumshoe hat the whole time. You know, <laughs> like that's a requirement. He has to have it on the entire movie. Um, but that dynamic in you know uh, post war Vienna, uh, it's it's just perfect. I think it's just perfect. Uh, but what, what, you got anything for this interesting? So uh, I've got Alex in this as well as my uh, would it be better with a binge uh, staff member. But so this might be a little inside baseball if you've never met Alex's uh, dog Jupiter, the, the little thing. But uh, I want to swap out Mr. Baron Kurtz with uh, Alex as Baron Kurtz because <laughs> Baron Kurtz has this little fucking little dog all the time. And I think That's Alex right. holding Jupiter like this is petting him uh, is this like kind of. You know, Doctor Evil type villain. Uh, I think that would work pretty well. Uh, so I think that's that's where I'm at with this. All right, I love it. I love it. Oh my god. Uh, but great choices. Great choices all around. Uh, loving all of them. So, uh, all right, man. Well, the third man. I, there's not much else to say uh, outside of just giving this film our final ratings. Um, Anything else you want to talk about before we do that with the third man? I don't think so. I'm looking through the notes here. I think I think we've covered everything. We, we hit right. on pretty much everything I needed to talk about with this movie. So, all right, excellent. So, all that being said, uh, let's get into it here. So, I, I, I'll, I'll kick this off. Um, you know, this this rewatch had a lot at stake. You know, this was a movie that I really kind of went to bat for back in the day. Um, kind of put it in my top 10 and, and it was like a set it and forget it it's like uh what's in my top 10 uh, I, I think it's good the bad and the ugly and good fellas and oh yeah third man third man's definitely in there hadn't rewatched in a long time so i will say that it is no longer in my top 10 i think i can say that Ooh, comfortably i, th- okay. I think that there are movies that i care about more and movies that i've rewatched way more that it, it wouldn't be fair to those movies to to have this in a top 10 um that being said, though, I do think that this movie is almost perfect. Um, I think that if you were to change the Alita Valley role, I think that if... Really, <laughs> now I'm thinking about it, that, that might be my only only problem with the movie. If you change that to somebody who is more charismatic, I can't fault this movie for anything. Um I, I just think it moves. Uh, it does not overstay its welcome whatsoever. I think the script is a lot of fun. I think that the moral ambiguity of Holly Martin's it gives you a lot to chew on after the fact. The movie looks awesome. And it, I think it's Orson Welles' best performance. It, it, at the very least, it's my favorite of his performances. It's got a lot going for it, in my opinion. So I, I, I still love this movie. I still think that everybody should see this movie. Um, I... I think that if you know somebody who says, oh, they don't watch old black and white movies, I think this is the exact movie that you show them to try and get them out of that, you know, get, get, get them away from that stigma. Um, I think this is the movie that could break that for them. Uh, so for me, this movie is an A. It's a solid A. Uh, I recommend it to anybody out there who just wants to see great film. I think this is a great film and I think it will probably always be a great film. So Chad, what do you think? So yeah, I agree with a lot of everything you just said, but for some reason, this movie, I just don't love. Uh, I really like it. I appreciate 
the cinematography. I think it's fucking, like I said, it's awesome. Orson Welles, as you said, is great. Cotton's great. I don't have as much of a problem with Alita Valley as you do, but uh, this is going to land at a B for me. Uh, I, I don't, like I, I, like you said, though, I think everyone should absolutely see this. There's no reason not to say, like, yeah, this is, for being 1949 as well as this movie holds up, that pretty much says it all right there. I mean, it, yeah. it, it still holds up well. And if you go back to our fucking Citizen Kane uh, movie homework, that movie, for being 1941, holds up insanely well. So it's like, I, I still think I like Citizen Kane more than I like this movie. Mm. Um, that's kind of where I, as far as Orson Welles goes... But this is still a really good movie, and uh, yeah, absolutely seek it out. If you've not seen this, please do check it out. I hope that us bringing this up for movie homework will allow a lot, of, a lot more of the bingers to actually listen or to watch this movie and uh, experience it because it is one hundred percent worth watching. The, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, it, cinematography is fucking nuts, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah. Like it, it is, it is wild how how well this shit still holds up. And as you said, I think it's gonna be. Yeah, this will always be one a really, really great movie. So, yeah, I'm going to be uh, – I, I, I could see it, you know, watch it another five, ten years. I would probably appreciate it even more than I do now. So, yeah, that's where I'm at. All right, Chance, he fucking hates the movie. Okay, moving on. <laughs> All right. A B means I hate it. God damn it. I can't. Listen. It's a passing grade. God damn it. How fucking listen, dare you? Listen, I get it. Listen, Not all of us love Zithers, okay? But, you know, you, don't, we, you don't need yeah, to take it out of the whole movie. If, Jesus. If, if we just didn't have that, it would be a fucking A++. <laughs> unbelievable. No, it's still a very good movie. Absolutely worth watching. It's unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable. Um, hey, we, right. we agree too much, dude. We agree way too much, so that's a little bit of a difference. Relax. Relax. <laughs> just, I'm just I'm just so disappointed. I've got nothing else to say about that. <laughs> um, all right, so next time, uh, we are going to be covering another movie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, this one, <laughs> for once, kind of ties in with something that's coming out in a few weeks. Um, Chad, why don't, you, uh, why don't you break the news here on what our next film is going to be? So I think this was recommended to us on a binge cast uh, when they brought up Movie Homework Made Its Return by Mr. Mm-hmm. One Jim Law. It's Mr. Don Coscarelli. You have phantasm fame. His uh, 2002 movie, Bubba Hotep, with Mr. Yes. Bruce Campbell. Let's fucking yes. do it. We got <sighs> Evil Dead Rises coming out. Or Evil Dead Rise coming out. A little tie-in. It'll be good. A good time. I'm so excited. It's been so long since I've seen this. So I, I another one. I think this was on repeat for for years for me, and uh, haven't watched it since. So excited! It's gonna be a good one. Uh, all right. As always, seven zero eight four zero six nine five four six. That's the number. Leave a voicemail, and the guys will get it to us. Uh, binge movie homework at gmail dot com. You can send us an email directly there, and you know you can always send a voice memo through that. We can play it on the show for you. Um, as far as finding us on all socials, it's at Binge Media on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. Don't forget, Patreon, five bucks a month gets you access to the full binge and all our bonus episodes, the Discord, and everything else that goes along with those shenanigans. Uh, we got Lollapalooza coming up August 4th, 5th, and 6th of this year, so make sure that your, uh, your calendar is clear and that you're going to get your ass to Jersey. Hopefully more details to come on that. And... Uh, I think that's all I've got. Chad, do you have anything else? I don't think I have anything. I think my dog champion just summed it up for me. So all right. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> all right. I'm saying peace. See you. 
Thank you for listening to Movie Homework, a Binge Media production. Follow the Binge Media Podcast Network at bingemedia.com, patreon.com slash binge media, or wherever you get podcasts. Got a movie suggestion? An award suggestion? Send us an email at bingemoviehomework at gmail.com. We'll be right back.